Welcome to the Asylum, Lunatic Tactical's podcast where we explore the shooting sports in Canada. I'm your host, Kyle Warner. I've been around firearms my whole life, and about six years ago, I dove headfirst into three-gun competition. Over the past six years, I have planned and directed numerous matches, climbed the executive ranks to become vice president of my local range, and as a sponsored shooter, I have competed across Canada and internationally in the U.S. As well, I compete in IPSC and Sporting Clays, all the while growing a continuing appreciation for all the shooting sports here in Canada. Please join me as we explore the many different shooting sports and the community that has grown as a result. Today, we're talking with Taylor Reich. Taylor is a three-gun and IPSC shooter in the Calgary area. We go over what the current environment at his local club is like, goal setting, competing as a sponsored shooter, super squads, and touch on the current political climate in regard to the OIC and the FRT. So without further ado, sit back and enjoy the conversation. Okay, so we got Taylor here. Uh, welcome, Taylor. Thanks for coming on the podcast and helping get this thing going. I kind of wanted to start off with uh, having yeah, you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, no problem, man. It's awesome to have you. Um, to start off with, if you don't mind, like just tell us about a bit about yourself, uh, how you got into competitive shooting, like three gun IPSC more specifically. Uh, yeah. What got you into it? What's keeping you there? That sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So I, if, if for those of our, our listeners that are American, uh, we need a gun license in Canada. So I got my gun license when I was 19. And so I'm 27 now. And that was way back in 2012. I got a few guns, didn't really do anything, but shoot some cardboard boxes out at like crown land whatnot and then i was honestly ready to give up my gun license when a family friend took me out to btsa uh, which is my club uh, for our three gun night our action shooting league where at the time it was three guns and at that point i was i was hooked he let me shoot his glock i had my sks i had my remington 870 express and i i shot one little mini stage i think it was 20 rounds and that was it I, I was totally hooked. And from there on, I met some great guys at BTSA. Uh, we started shooting a lot more often. We started shooting together more often. And they decided to start a three-gun team. So they invited me on that. And, and we shot file. And we started going to some bigger matches, some matches at Ubs. I think we, as a team, went to our first major I think it was Prairie Fire of 2018. I think that was my first ever major. Uh, and for all of 2018, we shot three gun together. And then oh, I want to say it was 2019. 2019 was when I uh, went off and did my own thing. Uh, the team kind of broke up. People had different uh, um, different paths they wanted to take. And so we all we all still still shoot. Well, used to shoot three gun together <laughs> until until situations changed. But uh, yeah, and then 2019. I got my black badge for IPSC with the intention of just shooting IPSC shotgun for nationals that we both went to. And from then on, we, we did all the three gun season for 2019. And then once again, situations changed and I kind of switched gear to IPSC for last year in 2020. 
I, I just used the same pistol I was using. I had an X5 and I just kept using that. I got a dot, decided to shoot production optics, um, shot a lot of qualifiers last year, ended up making the team. I got third place at provincials. And so that's, that's kind of where I left off in my, in my shooting career. That's, that's kind of spark notes, Taylor from 2016 to present. Okay. So yeah, you, so you've been into it for about four or five years then. Well, this would be your fifth year. And I got to say from watching from when I first started seeing you and talking with you, like uh, that's, that's a hell of a progression, man. I remember 2019 where you really started taking off and just started killing it. You were second place podiums all the time and just killing it 2019. And then, yeah, like you're what GM now in production optics on the Alberta gold team. Mm -hmm. Um, Like that's, that's incredible. That's just quite the progression to take. Just wanted to add that in there. I think for 2019, I I set a couple goals for myself and one of them was to just get on the podium at a three gun major in Canada. And so I knew I had, I had five shots to get there and I, I ended up DQing at battle of Alberta. And then I think I hit, I hit second place at Prairie fire, second place at Badlands, second place at uh, UML and then won the BC champs uh, in TAC ops. So yeah. blew past my goals there a little bit. <laughs> Very happy about that. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that in the least. Um, so going forward, like you, obviously you got some nationals in your sights. Uh, do you have any major plans or now that you've met and exceeded your previous goals, like what were your goals now? Totally different. Uh, I realized after, after 2019 that I kind of a podium as a goal was a bit of a, I don't want to say uh, unreachable goal, but it, it's a goal that depended on so many other factors than myself. Uh, I wanted to set goals that were uh, that I was the only one in control of the variables. So um, it's more uh, like looking at my match footage and saying, okay, I had this many makeups at this match. I had this many no shoots here. My goals this year are more along the lines of shoot cleaner, <laughs> practice more, have a dedicated uh, regiment for practice and dry fire. Uh, but in terms of, um, like what I hope for, I'm, I'm hoping to do well at pistol nationals, hoping to do as well at shotgun nationals as I did in 2019. Uh, and honestly, just shoot as long as we can keep shooting. Well, for sure. And I think anyone can attest that just hearing your, your goals, it's, it's kind of interesting to see, um, the maturity in your goals. Like you're, you're, you've already matured as a shooter now you're maturing your goals it's no longer position based it's performance based and basing uh, on your performance not necessarily comparing to other people's performance which is really cool to see and i think a lot of people could benefit by taking that approach like it it goes to with your uh, everyday life too who cares what everyone Mm -hmm. thinks who cares how you compare with everyone else if you are the best you could be that day that's all you can ask for Mm-hmm. I, I think that's really cool to, to hear and, and see someone who, yeah, a few years ago was, well, a couple of years ago, all it was was just podium. And then all of a sudden, yeah, okay, I met the podium, but then realizing that, no, it, I need to take a look at this more in depth because I honestly, I think uh, if you just go off match performance, like uh, or max, match placement as a metric, 
you're not going to grow as much as if you do it on your personal performance. Oh, if that mm -hmm. makes sense to you. Well, and it can be way more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and in my mind, that can be way more detrimental to, to you and your, your own growth. Uh, if you show up to a match and you shoot it clean, you shoot it well. Uh, I mean, there's always things you can improve, but if, if you see yourself in sixth place and your goal was third, I mean, that could be very emotionally distraught. Like it, it, it can be, it can take a toll on you, right? Even though you did what you set out to do, right? And yeah. so, yeah, having goals like that is, it's important well, to me. Well, yeah. And like on that, you could have shot the best match you've ever shot, the cleanest match you've ever shot. And well, I didn't make the placement goal I, I wanted to because everyone else was on the ball at that time too. It's, I think that's a yeah, really good yeah. way of really good way of looking at it. And um, you're the only one in control of your own. Oh, mm -hmm. a little bit, a little bit of a break up there. <laughs> okay. Uh, one other thing I want, oh, and this is kind of, yeah, I think we're good now. Uh, and this is actually kind of segues into that because we see that, uh, your goal setting is starting to mature more into what some people would say, and I'm using quotations here, pro level uh, goals, more uh, measurable metrics. But, uh, you know, you're a sponsored shooter. Um, you've been part of Lunatic Tactical for a few years now. And mm -hmm. I can tell you that we're, we're thrilled to have you on board. We love having you on board. And uh, you know, you have a, probably a couple other sponsors too. I believe Maple Ridge Armory is one. Or do you, you, you still shooting with them or Maple Ridge? Uh, yeah, I'm still Maple Ridge. Uh, the laws currently are, are what's holding us back from, from doing well in the Canadian gun culture scene. But yeah, I'm, I'm still with Maple Ridge and Lunatic Tactical. I'm looking at getting a few more sponsors this year, but uh. Who knows what's going to happen, what matches we're going to be able to shoot. So uh, it's mm -hmm. kind of, I'm treading easily into that water. Right. Well, there was one thing and you, you've done it a couple of years now. And I think it's actually really interesting. I kind of wanted to dive into it because I think you're pretty much, you know, a few years ago, you saw some guys doing this, but right now I think you're the only guy I know that's a sponsored shooter out there on the range, not wearing a jersey. And I thought it was really interesting. Um, and one thing of one of the things I wanted to kind of see is like having gone from shooting with a jersey to shooting without a jersey, have you noticed any change in how people act? Well, I guess it's a couple facets, both in your pressure to perform because of wearing a jersey, also on the perception of the other shooters at that match in, in dealing with you or approaching you, have you noticed anything mm. like that? Uh, that's, that's a hard question to answer. Uh, it kind of depends on the sport. Uh, it's, it's really hard to speak for the Ipsic side of things because I mean, I came into Ipsic, nobody knew who I was and I wasn't wearing a Jersey. So I didn't have much to compare it to there. Uh, but it was, it was pretty quick, especially all my three gun friends that, uh, that got their feet wet in, in Ipsic. They already knew I was sponsored, but uh, with a three gun scene and especially local, um, I, it's hard to tell what people's perceptions are, but I think it has to do more with your attitude on the range. 
because I mean, my, my sponsors are all over my social media. So it's anyone who, anyone who follows me on Instagram can see that. Uh, but it's the longer story is, uh, when I broke away from, uh, from my three gun team and I went solo, I had every interest in, in running a Jersey and things caught up with me. I think it was, uh, March or April of 2019 when a few of my friends, they were still waiting on their jerseys and it was four months in from, I think it was Max T. And at that point I was like, well, if I order a jersey now, it's going to be August before I get one. And so that kind of took the jersey off the table for 2019. And then 2020, uh, everything was basically canceled. Uh, I think Ipsic Alberta posted their matches uh, once the first lockdown lifted in, I want to say May or June. And I had no intention of shooting or no expectation rather of shooting any matches in 2020. And then it was just match and match, 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 match. And then <laughs> signing up for provincials and signing up for Brooks 32 special and all these qualifiers. And, and at that point, well, same boat again, by order now is going to be here by the end of the season. So um, yeah. And that's, that's kind of where I am with this year as well. I intend to do it this year. Uh, I, I feel like we're going in a better direction in terms of match schedule this year, but, uh, yeah, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm very cautiously going after a few other sponsors. So, uh, that'll be wrapped up in the next couple of weeks. And then, and then I will be in a Jersey this year if, if we shoot matches. Okay. Oh, okay, cool. I, I just thought it was a really interesting and interesting approach. And yeah, I was just mm-hmm. curious because I know, uh, up here with our local league, there has been over the years, a little bit of negative connotation towards Jersey guys, whether it was uh, justified or not. And it's still going today. You go to a match and you hear the comments about, oh, the Jersey boys, oh, the Jersey boys, they think they're high and mighty. Mm-hmm. Well, I I disagree with it. But, but like I said, whether mm-hmm. it's justified or not, I know up here with the local matches, there there is that negative connotation, it's, it seems. And... So that's why I wanted to know if, if you've noticed any difference down where you are. Well, I, I guess one, one aspect that I'm able to be a bit of a, a kind of middleman is when I do hear that and people don't, it's like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys too. I'm just wearing a Jersey and it can, it can change people's perception. I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of the, uh, everything is generalized, right? The Jersey boys, someone had a bad experience with someone on the range who was wearing a Jersey and now they lump people together. Um, but I, I mean, it, it is your responsibility to carry yourself in a respectful and, and honorable way when you're, when you're representing another company. Right. And that mm-hmm. that's part of being a sponsored shooter. So it's unfortunate that that's the sentiment, but actually here's one for you. And this has more to do with the, the major matches and whatnot where everyone's coming in on one place. Uh, interested to know your opinion on this. So, and it's, it has to do with super squads. You have all, mm. all your sponsored shooters coming together and basically filling up one or two squads. Like you end up with two squads that's predominantly, if not completely sponsored shooters, or as some people would call pro shooters. What's your, what's your thoughts mm-hmm. on, on these super squads? That's funny, actually, when, when I started shooting Ipsic last year, I made it a point to, one, shoot with my friends who often are on the super squad, but I also wanted to try and 
meet the community. And so I intentionally squatted with different people or requested to squat with different people um, at, at every match. And I tend to get put with, with the same people uh, for most qualifiers, but uh, I honestly wanted to shoot with as many different people as possible uh, just to, just to meet people. Right. And if, if you don't know how the Ipsic Alberta system works, when you're signing up on practice score, you can put, I think two or three names of people who you want to be squatted with and they'll do your, they'll do their best to, to work it in with who they have for staff, CROs, ROs, whatnot. Um, but I, I like shooting with the super squads because on, on the one side, when you're shooting with your competition, it kind of amps it up a little bit for you. Right. Feel like you can kind of take more risks or at least you can see what risks they're taking and, and it kind of amps you up. Uh, but on the other hand, I do like shooting with as many different people as possible. Um, it's also just to make the match a little bit more streamlined. Right. So yeah. I don't really care who I get squatted with. I just, yeah. I'm there to have a good time. Yeah. Uh, it just, I was just wondering, cause I, I know I'm, I'm mixed on it myself because, and it's pretty much mm-hmm. the points that you made one thing. Yeah. I'd like to shoot with the guys who are going to be at the top because I need to know where I need to turn it up or I can afford to turn it down. And if I just going off my own pace, it, it can be easier mm-hmm. when you have someone else setting or helping set the pace, but as a sponsor, sure. Mm-hmm. Well, well, no, I want to get out there and see as many people as I can and be out there, be out there talking with everybody, showing them, Hey, good people. And just getting to know everybody. Cause that is one thing why I do the sport is to just get out there and meet people. And it's, it's a lot more than just going yeah. out and shooting. It, it's, I mean, you can attest as much as I can that it, it's great fun. And it's not necessarily the shooting, the shooting's stressful, the shooting, especially if you're gunning for a podium or something, the shooting is yeah. bloody stressful. <laughs> it's the in-between shooting and you, you have fun and it, mm-hmm. it's really fun. And I, I, I've definitely missed that with this between the COVID and our OAC crap. I've definitely missed that. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely. Yeah. In well, and that kind of throws back to, yeah. Yeah. That kind of throws me back to when I decided to keep shooting when I was ready to give up my gun license and that, that was it. That was all the people I met in three gun, all the people I met in IPSEC. I look back and like, I wouldn't trade that for anything. I'm really glad I didn't stop shooting just because I wasn't part of some practical shooting sport. Right. Oh, for sure. And I, I know I'm glad that you didn't stop shooting. It's been great. I wouldn't have gotten to know you if you had stopped shooting. Yeah. So <laughs> we wouldn't have gone to nationals together. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Cool. So you're involved with BTSA. I, from, from our previous conversations, I understand you're, you're taking a little bit of a step back. You're still going to be involved with BTSA, but mm-hmm. uh, can you talk to, and this kind of goes into the OIC FRT thing. Um, are they still trying to do three gun or what, what uh, constellations are they making for the OIC? How is that changing the sport there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So last year after the OIC, I was still, um, and a very active part of the, the action shooting league slash three gun program at BTSA. And I've been helping out since I started there in, in 2016. And I kind of took over the program, uh, 2018, uh, with a lot of help. Like I wasn't the guy running it, but I was, I was kind of the face of it. And I stepped back a little bit this year, um, mostly just for, for personal development. Um, like looking at last year, I shot you know, 14 qualifiers, provincials, 
and Brooks 32 special. And on top of that, I think 12 action shooting league events. So that really packed up my schedule and, and the same thing happened the year before. And it was a lot of fun. Um, and I really appreciate how much that, um, that group at BTSA has, has grown and, 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 and been a, a really big staple in my life in terms of um, practice and just socializing. But this year it was, I, I kind of wanted to focus on me a little bit more. I'm still going to be involved in BTSA. Uh, but as far as the three gun thing goes, basically after the OIC, um, we as a group decided to kind of switch gears more to an IPSC practice style event. Um, mostly just because there'd be some people who couldn't shoot rifles, some people who did have rifles. A lot of people had a lot of surplus rifles that were shooting steel core. And so we weren't be able to um, shoot steel with it. Uh, it's just a club rule that we have. And so we tried for a month or two to have like one stage that was IPSC practice, one stage that was three gun. And it was just, it was a little bit too much. It was a little too complicated. And so we just decided we're going to have this as IPSC practice. If you want to come out and shoot your PCC or your rifle, uh, you can do it, but it's, it's more focused around, around IPSC, which is unfortunate. I think a side or a, a side effect of the OIC was just all the vagueness about it kind of made holding events way more stressful for the organizers. Who's going to allow this rifle? Who's going to allow this rifle? Is it on the FRT? FRT is not law. Is it on the OIC? Mm-hmm. I mean, as far as I was concerned, it's not my job to police people at the range. So I was willing to let people shoot whatever they wanted and it's their responsibility, but it, yeah. yeah, it just kind of got a little bit too complicated. Well, and you definitely hit the nail on the head there with uh, the ambigu- ambiguity of the OIC and the fact that a lot of people seem to take the FRT as that is law. And I know the RCMP, like they do reference the FRT. If they're at a traffic stop, they call into one of their um, certifiers and they, I, I, well, I shouldn't say I know hundred percent. I'm pretty sure that they're actually referencing the FRT and it's, it's really interesting because we even seen in the uh, CCFRs and uh, Wolverine supplies, and there was a bunch of people in on it. Uh, they had their injunction hearing recently and through cross-examination with uh, Murray Smith, as well as the actual hearing itself with the judge, it was stated in court that the FRT was not law. It was simply in an opinion and that anybody, anybody can make their own table to use. Nobody in- <clears throat> is obligated to use that table as gospel or even to bother referencing it. But yet, somehow, it is still being used to determine whether something's legal or not. And that is, in my opinion, that's caused a lot of uh, infighting in the firearms community, not just Mm -hmm. the competitive shooting, but just the firearms community is, well, FRT is not law, but nobody wants to be the first person to test it. Yeah, it's a very expensive test, right? It is. And it's... totally insufficient infrastructure on their part to have a table that's intentionally vague and not law. And yet they still use it to charge or criminalize people. Right. And, and still try to use it as a reference and a tool that, Oh, you want to know if it's legal or not? Check the FRT. Mm-hmm. And they actually Is try that legally to, binding. 
Yeah, well, they tried doing that during the hearing, and it was had to have been almost five minutes that the judge went off on the government's lawyers saying, well, no, it's not binding, so you can't tell them, oh, well, check the FRT. It's not binding. Mm-hmm. You can't use it. And that was really interesting to hear that the judge actually acknowledged that with those terms. Say, no, you cannot tell people to check the FRT to see if it's legal when the FRT itself is not binding. Mm-hmm. It's misleading. It's intentionally misleading. Absolutely. Um, they were, we all know that our gun laws are ridiculous. They are mm-hmm. absolutely ridiculous. They make zero sense whatsoever. And if you were to ever look for an example, I think this right here is a prime example of that. Shining, shining example, <laughs> like, right? It's so easy it's to just abstract. point to this as an example of why our firearms laws are just screwed right up Mm -hmm. yeah they're not based in science they're totally abstract nothing is evidence-based no someone looks through a book and be like oh that's scary that's black that's scary looking no blazer uh 22 if it's got ak furniture on it or ak looking furniture on it oh that's illegal classic stock no that's fine same action same egg everything but different furniture so it's illegal yeah. Well, a funny story that I was talking with one of my buddies down in Arizona and he loves shotgun. He loves practical shotgun. He's a three gunner. And he was thinking about coming up to shoot our nationals uh, this year, if we have them. And I was like, I asked him what shotgun do you run? It looked like an M2. And he says, Oh, it's an M1 super 90. And so I said, okay, let me, let me check the table real quick. And I come back and say, actually the, the M1 super 90 is prohibited, but there was one variant that wasn't. It was a variant of the Super 90 that was not prohibited. And so I told them just, yeah, if that's your variant, you're all good. If not, you'll need an M2. What's the difference between the two guns? Visually, not much. Yeah, that I didn't know that one. I know the M3 is a prohibited shotgun. And that's a combo. M3. The M3 is the one that our military uses for like special forces in that. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it is a combo semi pump action. So when your semi auto fails, you can pump it. Oh, kind of like when those, the, what is it? Spas 12, kind of like that. It's like a dual function. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a dual function shotgun. And yeah, like, so you have the M2 full semi auto, full semi auto shotgun, just full time semi auto. Um, M4, well, inertia driven M4 semi auto, gas but then yeah the m3 is actually a semi slash pump action Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i knew that one was prohibited i didn't know the m1 super 90 because that's a predecessor to the m2 yeah i'll have to go back and and check the table again maybe we can put like a footnote in there it was it was a few months ago i was talking to the guy so but I, i was surprised to see it was it was listed as a prohibited uh like by name it wasn't because it was a a variant of something hmm that's that's real interesting mm-hmm. case in yeah. point though yeah 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 well while we're on the t- process of ridiculous did you hear about uh danforth there was a little thing i have now the victims mm-hmm. yeah, yeah that's... But i i ended up reading that article this morning and and talking to my dad my dad's a lawyer not criminal but just mm-hmm. to kind of get an idea on what what was going down there, but it it doesn't, it doesn't seem to be um, 
like in like a very important ruling all the, all the judges saying is that you can proceed with this if you want he didn't outright throw the case out um but i don't see how that case can go anywhere but out the door yeah and for those listening who aren't familiar with this there was recently uh a case or a hearing be- before the judge uh this victim's family wanted to sue smith and wesson for basically not making a pistol that protected from unauthorized use. Basically they wanted a fingerprint gun, which they've been done in prototypes, but I don't know if there's, I don't know of one that's actually in active production. Mm -hmm. Um, And the ruling out of that was the judge ruled that yes, this family could sue Smith and Wesson and the internet from what I saw was just all up in arms. Like, how can you do that? How can you do that? And I did see some, opinions as i was reading through comments where it was basically like free speech yeah he's saying you can do it he's not saying you have a chance in of winning but all he's doing is saying yeah "Yeah, you can do this i think there would be more up in arms if he said no you no you can't do this it's just Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. unfortunately that family who's already been enough through enough already a good chance that they're just gonna have more financial pain now if they go and pursue this further well, and the burden of proof is going to be on them. You're going to have to show the judge that there is off-the-shelf technology available today and in current use that could have been put in that M&P preventing the guy who used it from firing a bullet from it. Keep in mind, this is a mechanical device that you're introducing electronics to. It doesn't exist. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I don't want a fingerprint scanner on my gun. I remember back when I had a fingerprint scanner on my phone and mm-hmm. especially if I was in a hurry or something, the amount of times I'd have to try and get that fingerprint just right on there. And I set it up. I was supposedly supposed to do it. And it was still, it never was 100%. If I, if I was allowed to and needed to use that to protect mine or my family's lives, last thing i want is a fingerprint scanner that if it wasn't on there just right it's gonna fail on it, you. It, it fails and i yeah now i don't have that opportunity now in canada we basically don't have the right to protect our lives at with firearms yeah. well especially with firearms they, they they'd say oh yeah you know you have a prote- you have a right to protect your life except for when you actually do it and then well we're still going to charge you with with this it's Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. our justice system is not the greatest in my opinion yeah well and that lawsuit it's quite the reach if you want to hold somebody responsible who's not the guy who actually pulled the trigger um maybe sue our federal government for allowing all these illegal guns to be smuggled in from the u.s i find that to be much less of a reach than oh the guy who made this gun and put it on a shelf somewhere that maybe some guy stole, maybe some guy bought in the U.S., took it across the border. Far less responsibility. Oh, for sure. You, you'd have a much better chance trying to sue the federal government saying, well, you've been putting all your resources into attacking lawful gun over owners that you vet every single day instead of putting all that money mm-hmm. and effort into stopping gun smuggling which you've already identified that like what is what's the percentage like 90 95 99 percent of crimes committed with firearms in canada are high 90s guns 
they, they, they're not, they're guns that haven't <laughs> even originated in Canada. It's well, just, and overwhelmingly the crime that is committed with lawful guns is suicide. Overwhelmingly. It's extremely rare for a, for a law-abiding citizen who owns guns in Canada to use them in a homicide. It's almost always either suicide or negligent discharge. That's it. Well, and all, all gun owners know this, but see, you get into a fist fight. There's a chance you could lose your firearms license. You get a, in a fist fight yeah. and get charged yeah. with assault. There's a good chance you're going to lose your firearms license. So from that, I would say for the most part, further evidence that our firearms owners are some of the most uh, respectful, incredibly safe community in Canada. Like that's interesting. Your, your your respect, your restricted firearm licensees are vetted every day, checked to see if there's if they're still every single day they're ran through the system to see if they're still eligible to hold that license, and mm -hmm. it's it's on there when you fill out your application if you get charged with assault there's a good chance you're gonna lose your firearms license yeah you're getting a call from the rcmp <laughs> yeah because you've now that, proven that's... that you are not a peaceful citizen yeah that that's an interesting conversation i haven't had with anyone that it, like the impact of just having a gun license that you care about uh, because of your lifestyle on how you conduct yourself in the public right because you're absolutely right if i if i snap at a bar sometime and I get into a fight with a guy that's most of my life that I care about is over. I'm no longer shooting EPSEC, no longer shooting any kind of three gun or any, any shotgun any rifle, nothing. All of that part of my life is over. I think yeah. a lot of people don't seem to understand that. No. And yet we're still under constant attack that, oh, licensed firearms owners. No, you can't have that. Why would you need that? Why would you need that? Mm -hmm. We're already having to tip throw through tiptoe through life. Like, Come on. Yeah, yeah. Leave us alone. Like, why do you need a slam. handgun? Because I want to compete in this sport. It, yeah. it provides me a whole bunch of entertainment, yeah. a massive social structure, and it's given me reason to get in shape, exercise, better myself. It's You, you can go on and on about the benefits of the shooting sports. Yeah. Well, and it's a sport that is recognized worldwide has observation status for the Olympics, mm -hmm. which means that'd be interesting. Very, very possibly could be an Olympic sport, mm -hmm. but yet under constant attack. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, in our lifetimes, we see it in, yeah. in the Olympics. I don't know yeah. if we will. I'm hoping for it. Oh, I, I would love to love to see it in the Olympics. I'd love to have the opportunity to try out for it. Um, yeah, well, I'd yeah. say that would be an, ex that would be an exciting experience. I mean, you can attack someone throwing a javelin cause he's throwing a giant spear that he could pin your chest to the ground, like 100, 150 yards out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's dangerous. Time to balance. Yeah. Oh, why not? They did for hunting that guy. And you don't have to reload it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, it's crazy times. Yeah, hopefully, but it seems restrictions are lifting. So for the time being, I know we're recording this on a Monday night, family day night. And I know tomorrow 
our uh, wonderful public safety minister is supposed to be tabling a bill and there's been a lot of speculation about it and coming on uh, the buyback and there's speculation that the buyback it's not going to be obligatory anymore it's going to be an optional buyback or keep them with further restrictions which then hard to say what further is yeah on the set on that note though well we can't be trusted with them in the first place that's why you banned them but if we don't go for the buyback we can still possess them we just have to obey the law that we were obeying before yeah and that applies to literally everyone who has an ar-15 in canada legally yeah Exactly. Like all, one day we're too dangerous to own these. The the next day, you can you can keep them. And let's be honest, it all comes down to control and money. Yeah, it's nothing to do with public yeah. safety. Yeah, I have read that there's some other stuff like uh, stricter uh, storage laws, some red flag flag laws. I mean, we don't have confirmation. That's speculation I've been seeing, but yeah, that there's <laughs> the red flag laws are going in there. And yeah, potentially uh, stricter storage, which already it's is hard. Pretty strict. It's it's hard to imagine how you could get stricter storage on a restricted firearm. You already need a two layers of two. What is it? Two layers of safety. So you need your gun trigger locked in a safe. Uh, actually, if it's in a safe, it doesn't need to be trigger locked. If yeah, yeah, true. It, but yeah, in a but locked like, room, though. It needs to be trigger locked in a locked case or in a safer vault. Maybe we'll have to encase our airs in concrete now. That's that's safe storage. Yeah. Yeah. Need that jackhammer to get it out. <laughs> <laughs> Time to go to the range. Yeah. Okay. Well, crap. <laughs> uh, what a joke. Yeah. Well, and, and is it, is it speculation that's applying to ARs or just all restricted firearms? Uh, the storage laws, I think, are all around. Hmm. The buyback is has to do with the OIC from May 1st last year. Because the buyback, because oh, okay. while they passed the law as an order in council, they needed legislation. They needed an actual bill for the buyback. Mm-hmm. That actually mm-hmm. had to go through le- legislature, from my understanding. They couldn't yeah, just say, that makes sense. They couldn't just sign a paper saying, "Well, we're buying back this at this." That mm-hmm. they're spending money. They it needed to go through the house. Mm-hmm. It passed. That was my understanding of that. Could be. Could get interesting tomorrow. Yeah. Well, there was one good thing about that hearing. While we didn't get the injunction that we were looking for. Uh, the judge in her um, response did actually note that she felt that there was a case to be heard there, that it, there was a case there that needed to be heard in court. It's just they didn't pass the three-part test to get the injunction. Mm-hmm. So Which, there was- I, I feel it did, but I, I understand it's a pretty big decision. And and if she feels there's a case, then, then she probably felt like uh, the injunction might not have mattered well, it's yeah, possible. and that three-part test, I, I thought it was a toss-up to prove all three. Um, it, it was a, you had to prove all three, whereas all that the uh, government's lawyers had to do was just disprove one of those things, and it was tossed because you needed it wasn't mm-hmm. just any of the three. You needed all three to get that injunction. So I, I do yeah. feel it was a really tough one to win. 
but mm-hmm. I think there is some pluses to, to come out of that. Yeah. It really well, it did highlight I, a lot of issues. I, I think the, the part that failed on the injunction had to do with um, irreparable harm uh, to gun culture, which I thought was a pretty slam dunk case, to be honest. I think one of our friends um, shared an excerpt from that, and it was saying that it doesn't seem that there was, uh, I think it was in reference to Maccabee defense, that there was no irreparable harm to their company. I'm thinking like, oh, and gun culture, like that you shut down their entire company. Yeah. Like that's, that's all they did is make non-restricted receiver sets yeah. that you somehow did some mental gymnastics to say it was an AR variant after six months in the lab coming to the conclusion that it was not a variant. Yeah, no, their argument is, well, at that time, AR-10s weren't automatically restricted, but now they are, or now Uh, they're automatically prohibited. And now they're trying to say, well, the Maccabee defense, the varmint, this modern sporter, the modern hunter, well, those were AR-10 variants, not AR-15 variants. No, they were not. They were designed to be non-AR variants. Mm-hmm. Specifically. Yeah. Specifically designed that way. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah, okay. Like the Stag 10, I believe that was actually marketed as an AR-10 variant. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I know that those other guns were not marketed that way. They weren't built when they were sent in. I'm pretty darn sure they didn't say, oh, this is an AR-10 variant. No, mm-hmm. this is our own build. Yes, we designed it to use AR parts because there are a lot of AR parts available. Mm -hmm. But no, this is our own design. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was it was actually uh, regarding the applicants argument about the loss of gun culture is unsupported by any specific submissions, which uh, I mean, I don't know if the, the CCFR did any submissions for um, AR 15 shooting sports in Canada. I hope they did. But anyone, anyone who knows how three gun works in Canada, that is a massive loss in your gun culture. You you take away the AR-15 and you lose most matches in Canada. You lose most clubs in Canada. You lose a lot of shooters in Canada. Yeah. It decimates the sport. Oh, absolutely it does. There's there's no argument there. It's the most ergonomic platform to use for, for yeah. that sport. Mm-hmm. And yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, you could go out there with your bolt action. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be as fun. Yeah. Like, and it's not or at least be not as, as competitive. Effective. Well, not as competitive, not as effective in that sport. And you got to remember, there's Ipsic Rifle where they use AR, ARs in. Another worldwide sport that yeah. now we don't, we cannot compete in this worldwide sport, sport which all of Ipsic is an ob- is observation status the pistol, mm-hmm. the shotgun, and the rifle. So now there's potentially an Olympic sport that Canada cannot compete in because, well, you don't need that to, to play your sport. Mm-hmm. Actually, look around the world, and we to play this sport, we do. Look at the top 10 finishers, open division, or standard at the Ipswich World Rifle Shoot. There's one guy I know of who did shoot an AR, and that was uh, Joe Easter with his Keltec. That's one rifle. And overwhelmingly, it was just AR-15s. Yeah. It's the most competitive rifle. Yeah. But, but there's not much we can really do on that. It's yeah. There's the lawsuits out there. 
um do what we can try and yeah do what we can but mm -hmm. no sense sitting here bitching about it yeah <laughs> shoot what we can uh, shoot yeah shoot what we can shoot and it, it's unfortunate to to see how easy sport can be taken away and it's it's ironic that we lose the guns and we still have the ammo in America. They got the guns for now and they yeah. got no ammo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. I, I'd, be, I see, I'd be crying if I wasn't laughing. <laughs> I see uh, the ammo stuff starting to make its way up here, though, too. Yeah. 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 But if they don't stop the up, it's going to hit us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, so. What's your, uh, we'll get to a little bit of a closing here. So this year, what, what are your uh, big matches this year? This year, COVID dependent. I 100% intend to shoot the Ipsic Shotgun Nationals, uh, Ipsic Handgun Nationals, and Ipsic Alberta Provincials. Those are, my, those are my three matches right now. And I'm not, I'm not booking anything else for the year. Uh, just in case the army thing goes through, I, I joined the army in, in December, but it seems like with COVID, uh, they're not going to be testing us for a while. No, no mental health testing, no physical health testing, no, nothing like that. So I'm probably going to have the whole season to shoot for myself, but I don't want to, I don't want to book anything too soon. Uh, if we are able to shoot matches, I'll probably shoot around eight, eight or nine qualifiers, Ipsy qualifiers. And then of course, helping to run the, the action shooting league. Um, we do it weekly, uh, but I'll probably, I'll probably be cutting back, trying to focus on more, more personal training in that aspect. But yeah, those, those three, those are the big matches this year. Yeah. Right on. Well, hopefully, uh, be able to make it to some of those two. And well, I know I've Ipsic, uh, shotgun nationals is definitely on my radar. The handgun mm -hmm. nationals will, we'll see. I've still got to figure out what I'm going to do for, for Ipsic handgun. Mm -hmm. Whether I'm going to jump in. I gotta do something. I gotta do something. So yeah, whether yeah, I stay no standard minor or I go production or who knows, maybe I maybe I jump into PO and jump into the Shark Tank. Yeah, right in the, <laughs> out of the frying pan in the fire. Yeah, I know that's a that's a very very competitive division now. There's mm -hmm, some, mm -hmm. some big shooters there. Lots yeah, of great. And that that happened that. really like last year. It just exploded yeah. in Valley. There is there is some top shots where a couple of years ago the first place PO was shooting with not even an optic on his pistol. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, before they got that ruling on optic is mandatory. Yeah. But that's no, probably it, the reason why that happened. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, and even after after Worlds, there's some of the guys in Ipsic Alberta that are thinking of slapping a dot on and not an open. They they want to shoot PO. No. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's my baby. I'm not leaving. Yeah. Well, it's a division that you can shoot an optic and not spend eight grand on a pistol. Right. Right. And if your gun breaks, you don't have to take it to a gunsmith. You can just order a, a new spring or a new extractor. Yeah. No, oh, no crack sure. slides in PO. Yeah. Well, maybe not as many. Yeah. Well, none, crack, none for me so far. Crack, crack the frames from the yeah. Tupperware guns. <laughs> Yeah, you see a few of those double charges. I'm not yeah. gonna drop any names. <laughs> yeah, there's there's definitely been some of those. That's always interesting when that happens. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, I was at the range today, and I guess one of the guys he was just there on a normal day, and handgun blew up on him. Oh, yeah, it, well, that was a and bad was, day. And it's a guy who just shoots recreationally. Like, I guess he was like sixty years old or whatever. Still, re, still reloads, and yep. yeah, he's like, "Yeah, my pistol blew up." Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. And especially if you reload, you just you're kicking yourself too, yeah. right? Well, you have no one to blame but yourself. Yeah. Well, he's like, "Oh, we're gonna get a powder check guy now." Yeah. Oh, for sure. But um, I think that pretty much wraps it up. I won't take too much of your time. Uh, I will give you an opportunity if you want to shout out anybody, anything. Uh, I know you're on Instagram. Uh, if you want to shout out anybody, if here's your chance. Go for it. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll, I'll give myself a bit of a plug. I'm the dot Albertan on Instagram. So uh, I know our, our algorithm right now is pretty restrictive against gun accounts, but if, if you want to see some guys shoot guns, the Albertan on Instagram, shout out Kyle, Kyle three gun on Instagram <laughs> and lunatic tactical. And, and of course, Maple Ridge armory. Uh, these guys have supported me for the last four years now. So very appreciative of you guys. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, on, on that, actually, did you see apparently parlor got new servers today? I saw, I, I had two messages saying that Parler went back up today. I haven't yeah. checked it. I will check it yeah. right now. Because, uh, yeah, I was last ready to time I looked, it. there was a 404. Ah, yeah, I got, I'm still. Yeah, I, I got on there and I made a post saying, hey, it's back. And then <laughs> I went lost back service. like five minutes or like five minutes later and it's a 404 error. I'm like, oh, crap. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I dump my, I dump my Facebook, I dump my Amazon, I dump my Disney Plus. <laughs> oh. I'm on, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Signal and Telegram. That's it. That's okay. all I got now. I guess YouTube, YouTube, Taylor Reich yeah. on YouTube. <laughs> you want to get see a guy fall at nationals and have a gun jam and <laughs> swear a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a rough one. He's yeah. good though. Like for for what? How rough that oh. was you. Hey, awesome. I'm very happy. Yeah. Very happy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I I think I might have made Brayda a little upset. I still got to respond to their email. <laughs> I just said my gun jam. Like, it wasn't your gun, it was your ammo. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh well, anyways, I think that's about it. So thanks again for coming on. Uh we'll yeah. love to have you back again sometime. Yeah, is is a real joy to have have me on, man. Thanks yeah. very much. Yeah, no problem. Thank you, Taylor, for being on the show, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Just wanted to touch on something, because Bill C-21 was presented after we recorded this episode. I want to encourage everyone listening to go get familiar with this bill, as it affects not only gun owners, but also airsoft and paintball. We all need to come together and fight this ridiculousness. To help, write your MPs, Join the firearms organizations at the forefront, have conversations with friends and family, and continue to explore the many great shooting sports Canada has to offer. Till next time, thank you for checking into the asylum.